Hello and welcome to NCBI Labs. Well, we're back for the first show of 2021 and uh, you'll have to bear with me a little bit today. I'm a bit rusty. It's nearly a month since I was in the hot seat the last last time. Uh, Karen, of course, was in the hot seat for the last show of 2020, looking back on some of the highlights of uh, the live events last year. But don't worry, we've got some great topics in the coming weeks as well. Some really interesting innovations and initiatives that we'll be talking about, all centred around the technology that that's of uh, of use to you. Now we've had some great feedback from the survey that was launched in December, so you'll be seeing some of your suggestions over the coming weeks as well. And just a reminder that if you'd like to be in with a chance to win a blind shell classic mobile phone or a fourth generation Amazon Echo Dot, you can still enter by filling in the survey in our technology newsletter before January 22nd. So that's Friday week you can still uh, enter before Friday week and the winners will be announced on our show in two weeks time. But back to today's show, what's on, uh, what's in store for us today? Well, with all that's happening in the world at the moment, we're more and more reliant on the internet, aren't we? And it's something that has enabled so many people to either continue to work maybe from home or uh, get to uh, classes for school from home, stay in touch with friends and family over the course of the pandemic. But there's nothing more frustrating than just at the wrong moment your in internet connection lets you down. So is there any solution to that? When you're shopping for an internet provider, is there any one thing you should go for? Or maybe you're in a contract already. Is there anything that you can do to get the most out of the service you already have? Well, Daniel Dunn will be joining us shortly to talk about exactly those uh, issues. A little bit later, we're going to have our Seeing It Your Way piece. And for this week's show, JP has been chatting to Robbie Ford about a, a variety of things, including, as always, how technology has helped him with his vision impairment, but also covering subjects as diverse as stand-up comedy. So stay tuned for that a little bit later as well. I'm sure you'll enjoy that one. But first of all, we have something a bit special for our Meet the, the Team section this week. You might have uh, you might have seen the, the well-known show on TV before called The IT Crowd. Well, we wanted to bring on one of the stars of the show to talk to us about what life working in IT is all about. But then we thought, actually, why interview someone who is only acting a role when we've got the real thing instead? So that's why this week, instead of Chris O'Dowd or Richard Iowadi, we have the one and only Colin Kenny on the show instead. You're very welcome, Colin. Thanks very much, Jude. It's, uh, I yeah. hope you enjoyed that introduction. Pretty much, yeah. Most sentences out of my mouth is, have you tried turning it on and off again? And I think <laughs> I think that is the same for anyone who works in IT support, because you'd be surprised the amount of fixes that will do. Yeah, and, and don't think that that wasn't going to come into the questions anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us a bit, Colin, about where you're based and and uh, just how long you've been with NCBI. Yeah, I mean, I think probably been here just over 20 years now, so it's, it's, it's a long time, but I'm still lucky enough to sort of really enjoy my job, so it doesn't feel like it's been a life sentence or anything, and I'm still yeah. looking forward to the next 20, so. Yeah, yeah quite quite happy what I do. I mean, originally I started uh, a long time ago just to, to cover someone who 
who had left the organization and it was like a rolling three month contract for yeah. the course of a year and then that turned into full time and sort of my role has changed over the years. Initially, it was just like uh, tech support just for internal staff. That's now grown to tech support for internal staff service users. Um, now growing into sort of the purchasing of all assistive technology products, the shipping of it, pretty much fingers in, every, uh, in a lot of pies in here. So I kept mm. qu quite busy, but yeah. as I say, I do enjoy it. So what you're saying is that the IT crowd wasn't actually a documentary. It wasn't oh, a real life take on what's happening. If, if, if you'd ever seen my office or when I was out, I wasn't in a basement, I was out in a shed. You, you go, yeah, <laughs> I can see where these guys have got it from. Um, I tend Did you to consult be, on that by any chance? I think someone must have sent in a picture at one stage because we were like, what does an IT office look like? And you have to have half-opened PCs, boxes everywhere, and probably not really a visible floor. But it That's is organized chaos. I know, I know, I, I know where everything is. It's normally on the floor. <laughs> That's a great answer to that. Do you know yeah. where everything? I know where everything is. It's on the floor. Yeah. If I can't <laughs> put my hand on it, it wasn't important. <laughs> Brilliant. So tell me something. What was um was this always something that you were you were kind of very interested in anyway? It sounds like obviously you said you still enjoy the job, but is that your background anyway before you joined NCBI? Was it all technology and things? Uh, it was. I mean. I went off to college with the full intention of becoming an accountant. And within the first year of an accountancy course, I realized, no, this is not for me. Then that's nothing against accountants. It's just during that course, we got a, a sort of a bit more into the technology side of accounts. And I sort of tended up, uh, tended to sort of be helping a lot of the people in that class on their technology issues. And that's when I sort of decided actually it's more, it's more the tech and being able to sort of help people along with that that I wanted to get into. So left college for a while and uh, went back and did a, a PLC course in technology and support. And from there I went on to, I don't know if anyone remembers, it was a computer company called Gateway. Then it was Gateway 2000, but uh, so yeah. spent about a year and a half in there doing tech support for uh, home users. And that was yeah. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, it, it, it's a good foundation for anyone doing technologies to be on the phone to to any client trying to, to fix the problems. But Gateway had this um, brilliant idea of it's almost like a party line where you would stick six home users with the same problem into a chat mm. with one tech yeah. and it would try <laughs> and uh, sort out the problems in a queue. Um, that sounds but, like another potential comedy in the making, surely. Uh, um, horror, <laughs> horror maybe, maybe horror comedy, yeah. It, it was quite intense. I remember like, yeah, the Aztecs, you, you would go on to that sort of call type environment for an hour and you would be given half an hour off to cool down. Man, yeah, 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 I can imagine. And tell me something, do, do you find overall like the, the whole element of trying to support somebody from afar over the phone or over the internet, maybe a, a Teams call or something like that, is how challenging is that? Um, it, it is quite challenging even before the, the likes of a team viewer where we can remote into it. I would say, yeah, it's it's 
knowing the product well so you can visualize what the, the user is doing and then being able to sort of describe what you want them to do um, with the sort of the introduction of, of remote support with TeamViewer for us. It, it was really a game changer where we could sort of, yeah, just log on to your machine. We'd, we'd, we'd do it for you, but it, it's not really doing it for you. I like to sort of let the users try and do it so they're sort of getting used to it, but I can just, I can see what they're doing. I, I'm not trying to visualize it in my head. I think we're at about six, six, seven months of getting that in. I, I almost lost the ability to visualize stuff in my head or what they were doing. Yeah. So I, I still trying to try to force myself to be up on all the products so I, I know what it should look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that that can be quite a challenge. I suppose there's other barriers if you can't see what's actually happening on the on the screen or on somebody's computer. They they might be even if even if it's actually the same issue for them and that they can't see what's happening on the screen. They know what they've maybe just done or they might be more familiar with their system. But trying to pick up on that through how somebody describes it over the phone can be maybe a little bit more difficult sometimes. Yeah, I suppose another, one of the other roles I was in was like a localization engineer for Microsoft where we were testing uh, Windows 2000 at the time. So that's, that's how long ago that was. But I was the Swedish language lead. I can't speak Swedish. But <laughs> we had to test the, the product in Swedish. So it's sort of <laughs> just, you, you roughly know where the buttons are, you know, you get to you sort of used to it. That sort of helped going forward. I think being able to sort of just go, right, I know what we need to do on how we need to get there. I just mightn't be able to to describe yeah. exactly what's there. Yeah, yeah, man, that, that must have been a, a pretty challenging role to be in. That, that was uh, a very good one, I thought, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there anything? Um, is there anything particular you're kind of working on now? Any big projects in sight, or there might be things, of course, that aren't overly interesting for people to hear about. But anything, anything much going on at the moment happening? Oh, there's always stuff happening. Yeah. I teach you, as you know. Um, there's there's big projects. I mean, we tend to sort of a lot of the internal projects for staff um, that sort of in the background tend to be sort of bigger projects that we we work on. So I mean last year was like a digital transformation rollout which we timed. I don't know if we knew COVID was coming but we had shifted a lot of people over to laptops and they were able to work work from home quite easily. Mm -hmm. This year we're, we're looking at I mean uh, our whole core system uh, where we record information around service users. We're looking at sort of tagging new stuff onto it, changing the models, just be allowing us to be able to, to sort of record more efficiently what we're doing with service users and also just to, to be able to to reach, reach out to them in a, a more timely manner as well. Yeah, brilliant. So there's loads going on behind the scenes. So there's clearly um, plenty that's involved in in the role that you're in at the moment but just to finish off on on this and maybe kind of kind of go a bit full circle here if there was one piece of tech advice that you were to give to people when they experience a problem what would it be well we've already said it <laughs> come on like if if you haven't turned it on and turned it off again it's normally going to be someone's first question like yeah <laughs> Good stuff. So on that note, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Colin, no appreciate Thanks that. a lot, Jude. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on again at some point in the future. All right. Thanks a lot. Great. So with that, uh, kicking off our, our show, our first show for this year very nicely. And uh, while Colin goes off to plot his revenge on the live events team, we're going to move on to the next piece today.
And as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about what you need to know about getting the most from your internet connection. Of course, as usual, if you have any questions that you'd like our panel to answer, um, you can you can just email us at labs at ncbi.ie or if you have a, a question or a comment um, that you you're and you're joining on uh, teams here as well, you can just use the panel there on the right hand side of Microsoft Teams. So let's get on to this subject then of uh, how to get the most of our internet connection. And today we'll be kind of tying in some of our quick tips segment that we normally have into this section as well. It kind of ties in quite nicely with this discussion as well. So good to have you back on the show, Daniel. Hi Jude, happy new year to you and happy Jeez. new year to all our regular listeners. Uh, great to be oh, back, thank you. Um, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so first of all, can you tell us about the different types of in internet connection available in Ireland? And Jude, there's quite a basket of them out there. And I suppose before getting into list, listing them off one by one, um, because as I call these out, uh, there's one major factor that's going to come in to influence in your type of internet connection. And there's three words to it. It's location, location, location. Certain <laughs> services are available in certain locations and others mm. are better in other locations. But I suppose the most popular one in Ireland at the moment uh, will be, you know, your standard telephone uh, line that delivers broadband. Uh, that's mm. probably by and far the most popular. Uh, it's quite mm. widespread across the country, but again, it doesn't perform fantastically in the rural areas, the places outside your villages. Um, I suppose mm. getting into your Dublin, Cork and areas like that, you have your TV cable companies who also provide it. So that's um, that's a totally different system. Um, major towns, you know, major county towns would probably have those, not all of them, but a lot of them would. Um, so that's a, an yeah. option there. So you kind of a bit of competition going on there with the telephone lines in the towns and the uh, TV companies delivering it through the, through the you know, like say your Virgin Media and that. Uh, so that they're the two, I suppose, two most popular, you know, that have the biggest penetration through the population. Uh, we're all yeah. familiar with mobile data on our mobile phones, if we have a smartphone. And that's a, obviously that's a type of broadband service in itself. Um, 4G is, is the next, well, a recent generation of a 5G is on the way. With 4G, I suppose, yeah. is great penetration around the country. And that has the bonus of you know, working well in urban and rural areas and outside your villages as well. Um, when you start getting out into the countryside, you know, when you go maybe more than two miles, three miles maybe outside your, you know, your local, your local village or small town or whatever, you're starting to get onto the back burner of what's available. Um, you know, in some really hard yeah. to reach areas, you're going for satellite broadband. You could be looking at fixed wireless and um, or, or the mobile data in its own, you know, away from your smartphone. They can they put it in a small little box that, um, that that you plug in your house. So it, it really does come down to location, location, location. Yeah. They're, the, they're the different types of what's out there. And I yeah. suppose I give a little overview of where they tend to be found. 
Yeah. So with with those different types, then let's say that you've got a few different ones of these that are available to you in the location you're in. What are some of the strengths and weaknesses of each of them? Like you could talk about like cost and expense. Surely there must be quite a difference in cost and expense, maybe ease of setup, things like that. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, like the cost, unfortunately, Ireland is an expensive enough country for broadband. Um, so like you can you can be going anything from, you know, maybe 30 euros a month roughly up to even 70 euro a month in some cases and beyond if you if you're, um, you know, maybe if you're if you're requiring extremely heavy usage, um, but that, that, that would be, yeah. you know, a rare situation, but like it, it is expensive, so it does it does come into fact then that, you know, how much do you want to be paying a month? Um, then then you have to start asking yourself the question, you know, how much how much am I going to be using it? Or do I, you know, am I a member of a family that, um, you know, where's maybe going to be four or five or six different devices going in the house? And, um, you know, where you're going to need a much stronger service and sometimes that might command a more, you know, a, a more higher monthly fee. So there's all these little factors that come into consideration in, you know, choosing choosing what, you know, if you are lucky enough, I suppose, to have a choice of a few providers, um, you know, factoring in what's, what's going to work for you and your family. Like if you're kind of on your own or there's just one or two in the house, it leaves it a bit more open to you. But if you're going where there's, you know, maybe kids now at home schooling, um, you know, college students are home or people working from home, um, you know, the desire for faster speeds, uh, greater capability yeah. is definitely into focus now with COVID-19 um, back, you know, back in full tilt again. Yeah, so just as a broad kind of thing here, let's let's take one example um, and we won't get into specific providers here because it's not so no. much um, that side of it that we're interested in. But let's just say, for example, satellite, um, a satellite connection. Yeah. Uh, what would be the strengths or weaknesses of that? Um, would that be like the cheap end or the expensive end? Would it be the fast end, slow end? Or is can you even answer a question like that? Um, you can sort of come around it. Um, satellite is generally the last option available to you. Um, right. the, the, the reason being is it's 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 very expensive to get to get installed. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes it can be an upfront fee from 150 euros upwards because they've got to send somebody around, put up a dish in your house, uh, run a cable back in, put a a router box somewhere in, in your house that's you know that's going to give you a wi-fi or a cable connection to your computer so that actually yeah. you know can involve nearly you know you take an engineer you might have to leave you know somewhere that's 50 miles away from you drive out so his 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 or her time uh, getting to you then physically getting out and putting that material in you know the, the dish the cable the router setting it all up mm. and then driving back to their base you know that's that could be a half day's work yes. or even more for some people. So that that has to be factored in and that usually comes as an upfront install fee. Um, yeah. Then because it's satellite, um, it is the more expensive delivery method. So you're going to be limited on, you know, you're going to be limited on data download, probably put a 30 gig download allowance there, maybe less in some yeah. cases, maybe more in others. Um, so again, that would, you know, limit it to maybe somebody that's, you know, maybe just in a household that's going to be the sole user of the internet, because if you burst that 20 gig allowance or 30 gig allowance, the, the data usage 
uh, charges kick in and you know it could, it could mean that you're gone beyond your monthly rental uh, at that point yeah, yeah so yeah. it probably would be one of the last choices um if you have no other option it's probably the one you, you know the last on, on the list that you would pick yeah yeah okay so that gives a bit of an idea as well of mm. of what the capabilities are and it's good to just hear everything all of the different options that are out there as well i think that yeah. that's just useful sometimes when people are choosing mm. things so just if somebody was actually in that position now um, where they're thinking, OK, I'm not committed to anybody yet. I'm not in a contract. I can choose a, a broadband provider, an Internet provider for myself. What sort of guidance would you generally give? What advice would you give to somebody if, if they're not able to get the more mainstream options? Um, satellite might be the last thing, but what would you suggest before that? Um, Right. If if the phone if the phone line option is not available to you now, I'll actually I'll say it's two things about the phone line option. Um, yeah. The government have done the rural fibre broadband rollout, and it's I've seen in a few places. I can't get it here. I live in in a small little town. Uh, the yeah. pole with the fibre goes about three hundred metres from my house on out into the countryside. I can't get it, but um, I've uh, yeah. Good mile and a half out of town here and the speeds are absolutely fantastic and their friend further down the road just can't get it because they only brought the cable so far up the road so it's really if you're if you're beside one of these um fiber lines that have rolled out in the countryside uh, the fiber to the home it's absolutely fantastic if you can get it yeah if you can't you're relying then you, you have to go back to the old telephone wire and if you're too far outside of town the speeds are very very slow so you're either extremely lucky or extremely unlucky. And if you fall into that kind of category, um, you're probably going to have to look at mobile broadband or a fixed wireless uh, provider. Um, yeah. the, the mobile broadband, um, you know, works works just like your smartphone picks up mobile data. Uh, I will say a big thing about mobile broadband data, if you're on one of those, try and place the little router box in a window if you know where the local mast is, try and fit, put it in a window that's facing that mast. So if yes. you know the mast is north of you by two miles, try and put it into a, a north facing window and plug it in there, uh, leaving it in, in the hall that's in the middle of the house, that kind of thing. It's like mobiles. Remember when they came out first, Jude? Um, you know, yeah. when we all got our mobile phone first back in the 90s and you're going to make a phone call oh i have to I have to go to the front door or I have to nearly <laughs> step out in the backyard uh just just to get the signal to to phone your friend uh mobile mobile broadband is principally like that still um uh, so you've got to get you got to get the router the little router box into a good position and that can be yeah. that can be a huge difference between an absolutely brutal service and a really satisfactory service um, yeah, you know, so even even on even on the minute scale inside your house, location, location, location again. Yeah, so yeah. it is interesting that it comes down to that so much. And is it worth then in that case, um, is it worth actually doing a little bit of checking before you say you have to go with a mobile broadband provider? Is it worth checking where the masks are? Who's got a service in that area? Yes, um, most of your mobile phone providers or mobile broadband providers uh, on their websites will actually uh, display a kind of a coverage map and they kind of overlay it onto Google Maps. I've seen it done in quite a few instances and you can really zoom down into your 
you know, yeah. on, on really where your house is. And it'll give you a kind of a color code. Now it's representative, it's not, it's not absolutely guaranteed, but yeah. if you got a good strong color, um, you know, that's gonna mean you should have fairly decent, um, you know, service there. Now I will say another thing uh, with the mobile broadband, the towers themselves, they're limited in, you know, the, the more connect, the more people in your area, let's yeah. say using the same provider you're going to go for, and you're all online at the same time, it is going to slow that down a bit. So yeah. uh, while the, the reception might be fantastic, there could be a lot of users in your area logging on at six o'clock at the same time, you know, and they seem to speak because the towers can only handle, um, you know, it's like, it's like pressure, water pressure coming down a tap. If, if you turn on all the taps in the house at one time, it slows down a wee bit from, from the gush that you normally should expect yeah. down to a trickle. So yeah. that's that's another factor in play as well. Probably important to keep that in mind as well when people choose, um, if you choose your broadband just basically on a a sort of set of uh, statistics or a set of, um, you know, just the information of how fast it's supposed to be, a number that you see advertised is not always the number you're going yeah. to get, is it? That's that's a very good point, yeah. Um, up to, um, the, all the providers are guilty of this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they'll advertise up to 100 meg connection or up to 150 or up to 80, whatever they can do. <clears throat> Again, the up to is, you know, somebody in an area that says up to 100 meg will actually probably in theory never hit the 100 meg. They might get 90 and that could be at four o'clock on a Sunday morning when nobody else is online and, uh, there's a, you know, it's a grand clear calm night out and <laughs> everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. the, the fox is howling at the moon from the south kind of thing instead yeah, of from yeah. the north, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but no, up up to is 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 um, definitely, I definitely wouldn't be reading into, into those figures. It's like it's too. technically possible, but, <laughs> but that's yeah. about it. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's change track a little bit um, here and just think about if, let's say you have already made your choice or you're stuck in a contract mm. and you're finding that maybe um, the internet speeds just aren't particularly fast. What, what are some of the things that might cause an internet connection to slow down? You mentioned one of them there was like if there's a number of people all trying to get onto the internet at the same time. Is there anything else that can impact that? Oh, oh gosh, Joe, uh, there's a whole host of things now. I kind of alluded to one of them there earlier about the position of a mobile, uh, mobile broadband data. Uh, box, but let's say if you're on the fixed telephone, you know, telephone wire coming in, and and I'll mention this one because a sizable proportion of the country are on these kind of connections. Um, the, the there's one main telephone provider in this country, and their responsibility um, for managing the phone line system is they bring the cable to your door and one phone point. OK, mm. and after that, uh, the responsibility is yours. So they will say that we've brought the service to the first telephone point in your house. Uh, they'll test it and say that's working fine. Now, what can happen is because telephone broadband is shared with your voice calls, so you pick up the handset and you ring someone, it's, it's all using that line. So mm. the Internet uh, the internet and your voice calls, they have to be separated out. And there's a little thing that comes with your uh, broadband router 
uh, it's called a filter and that's responsible for keeping the voice and the data separated otherwise um they'll, they'll squeal over each other and you'll generally take take a, a hit on speeds and even yeah. connections dropping from that so filters are fierce important but what happens is you usually get a, a router and there's only one or two filters with it and you could have three phones around the house and you could have a skybox plugged into it and you could have an old fax machine that you probably yeah. don't use anymore plugged in in another room and all these all these can interfere um, if they're not filtered particularly uh, if they're not filtered or if a filter has gone and I remember one case um, you know somebody phoned me up and said every time the sister rings the mother you know they're living at home with their mother yeah. every time the sister rings the mother bloody internet drops and it comes back and it drops and it comes back and it drops it turns out what was going on was uh, the filter the filter had gone really it was wasn't working as it's supposed to so we just yeah. changed out the filter and now the day is up uh mm. house you know how even things plugged in like a house alarm you know some of them on the, the, use the phone line to to monitor your house alarm they have to be filtered as well so all all these things that are drawn off um drawn off your phone line um they, they need to be filtered out so it's, it's a great thing to make sure that every device that's connected to your phone system in the house particularly if you've lots of sockets phone sockets around the house and um, that they are that they are filtered correctly that's actually a really interesting one, I think, yeah. because yeah, I yeah. think people probably I, would use the filters that are in the box when they get the mm -hmm. the um, router, and it's it kind of almost thinking, well, that must be enough because that's how many they sent me. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. Um, and I've heard of people going along and they said, oh, I've tried this provider, that provider, the other provider, and I went through about four or five of them, and yeah. they say, oh, god, none of none of them are any good. The, the internet keeps dropping on them. It usually points to something else that's going on there. Um, now, okay, you get the you get the router free usually off your internet provider. Now and again, you might get a dodgy one, and it has to go back, and you get a new box, and then your problem is sorted. But um, sometimes it it can be something else as well. So it's it's to take into you know everything that can be aware maybe that these things can be wrong. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and and would there be any other issues that you'd be kind of, you know, that people need to be aware of really of uh, what what else can slow down internet in the yep. house or yeah. baby monitors, huge, yeah. huge, <laughs> huge, um, huge issue <laughs> now. It, the the, the <laughs> baby monitors now um, a lot of them, a lot of them use a different frequency, but when when Wi-Fi really kicked off. In, in its beginning, people had TV senders, you know, let's say yeah. they had a second TV down in the bedroom and uh, they transmitted a skybox down or had a baby monitor and all these things. You turn on the, the Wi-Fi and you get lines across the screen. Um, you know, so Aunt Nelson's just operating close to mm. your to your Wi-Fi or 2.4 or 5.0 um, can that can interfere with it too. So that's that's particularly though yeah. for the Wi-Fi people. You know, if you're going yeah. with a direct cable, from the internet router into your device, that wouldn't be an issue. But I suppose nearly everything yeah. now has gone to wireless in a house, you know. If you're it smart, has, yeah, yeah. You know, you've yeah. your smart bulbs and all these smart sockets, all these things yeah. that they're all they're all relying now on the Wi Fi. So uh, well. anything that can cross that frequency, you know, can, can give potential issues as well.
Mm. And did you mention that, like, in a say it's in an old house, big thick walls, things like that? Is that much oh, of an issue? Yes. Hmm? yes, yes, absolutely. Um, particularly for the Wi-Fi again, you got um, you got to remember that like it's it's anything that's wireless and. Now, while it doesn't need exactly your line of sight, but needs a fairly interrupted, um, you know, a fairly interrupted run between the receiver and yeah. the transmitter. The transmitter being your your router in in your in your house. So if you've yeah. got walls of a house that was built in 1910s, 1920s, you know, they could be three foot thick. So yeah, yeah. Um, signal is just not going to penetrate that solid rock. Um, what can you do in them situations? Uh, there is products um available uh they're called power line adapters um mm. they're fairly inexpensive um basically you would run a cable from the router into one of these plugs plug it into the electrical port in near the router and where you want the internet to come back out in another room um you plug in you get a pair of these plugs and you bring the other one to the other room again you can run a cable back out or some of the more clever ones will have Wi-Fi on the second outlet, and it will yeah. uh, relay relay your your Wi-Fi into that room. It, they're quite a good solution for um, you know older build houses like that, as I say, with the three foot walls. Yeah. And you know if 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 you have the one um, electrical system in that old build, then you're then you're away away in a hack with it. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too many houses out there with so, two different electrical suppliers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so with with most of these things, there there's maybe something something we can do to kind of get the yeah a bit more out of the internet connections. We're not necessarily going to get like lightning fast speeds on every one, but we can usually improve it a little bit. So maybe just you, you've given us a few kind of ideas of the things that can be issues and maybe ways to solve them. If yeah. if somebody was in the situation now where they don't really know what the cause is, um, they just know they've got slow internet, they know that maybe they're going to have to call somebody in to sort it out, but there's just maybe one or two things that they might be able to try to pinpoint what it is first. Is there kind of a workflow you could recommend or something that you would say to people, here's a couple of simple things you can try first? Uh, can I go back to Colin's one and just turn off the router and turn it back on? Yeah. <laughs> 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 that that does work again. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, actually, in some in some cases, probably a good idea. Uh, people leave their broadband boxes on twenty four seven. Um, you know, switch yeah. them off maybe at least once a week. I know some households are to be brilliant at switch them off every night going to bed. Um, yeah. But I know in some households to leave them on twenty four seven three six five. It's probably a good idea maybe just to give them a small bit of a cool off, you know, at least once a week just just to yeah. do that. Um because they can they can freeze up and lock up and and just and usually they might restart themselves, you know, you'd find, oh, where's the Wi-Fi gone? It's gone there for the last two or three minutes, and next thing it's back. Um but in some cases, uh it's no harm to switch them off. Uh that's one thing, yes, switching it off and back on again. Um look location of the router from you know from where it's and sometimes you nearly have to catch the guys at the day when they're installing and you nearly have to say well i want it here because i want the wi-fi to reach so many rooms yeah but if that's yeah. not the case sometimes it can be 
at the front door, you're down at the back end of the house and the Wi-Fi, you're only getting one or two bar string. Probably look at something there like getting a, a Wi-Fi extender or even going back to them power line extenders. You know, one of those two solutions will work there just to bring that bring that strength of Wi-Fi down because the further away you get from your Wi-Fi, the the poorer the the, the speed is going to be. And are those Wi-Fi extenders, are they good? Are they general? Is it kind of a case of you get what you buy for or in general? Yeah, I generally there's cheapy ones out there that, um, you know, the 20 quid ones. They're really not that great. Yeah. Um, it's worth going for a kind of a, a branded one. Um, I know, remember we were speaking there before Christmas, I think it was, we we're on about the smart speakers. And uh, Google have the the uh, the mesh, uh, which doubles up yeah. as Wi-Fi extender, but also is a smart speaker. So if you were considering saying, hey, uh, you know, getting a smart speaker, but my internet coverage around the house is quite poor. Um, you know, maybe look at these. It's it's kind of a two bar, two birds with a one stone solution, and yeah. and you know, and thing about getting these extenders and whatnot. Even if you change out your broadband provider, you know, your contract with company A is up in six seven weeks time, and you're definitely going to company B because of a fantastic offer on. Uh, you can retune these Wi-Fi yeah. extenders and mesh systems to work with. The next router you're going to get. So Brilliant, yeah. they're not. Yeah, they're not. Um, so those things can be really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so that you know, don't don't think you're maybe that you're going to waste money. Say, oh well, if I buy if I buy a Wi-Fi extender for this router, but you're going to be thrown out in three months' time or whatever, yeah, and get yeah. another provider. No, you can retune them and go again. Yeah, that's really useful as well. So just kind of that, that's given us a really good sense of different things that you might be able to do to get a bit more from from your internet connection just before we finish up on this but is there any kind of final uh, recommendations or, or even just kind of takeaway points from this that that really we want to emphasize um i suppose like there, there, it's such it's such a broad thing um mm. you know the, the pros and cons of each connection type it's um how it performs and as, as I said at the height of the show, it's, it's um, location, location, location. So uh, what will work for you and what won't work for you or what could go wrong for you or what won't go wrong for you, you know, and your next door neighbor could experience the total opposite. Um, it's yeah. such, um, you know, it's so circumstantial down to where you live, the type of building you're in, what it is you're doing, how much of the internet you want to use, um, you know, getting back to the area, even if there's other, if all your neighbors are on the one service, all that comes yeah. into play. And I suppose, how do you investigate that? Um, that is probably a, a challenge in itself. You know, who do you speak to? Yeah. You know, if I ask my neighbor, who do they use and they find it great, am I going to chance getting it in? And next thing I find it rubbish, you know, you're looking over the neighbor and yeah. Over the neighbors once, and you recommended that thing to me, and I was stuck in a two-year contract. <laughs> uh, I suppose, you know, and and maybe look, maybe look for some of the providers out there that would say, "Hey, look, take it home, try it out for fourteen days. If you don't like it, bring it back." Some of them do yeah. that, and uh, that is definitely worth um, looking into. Um, so yeah, there, there, there are a couple of takeaway points. It's so, you know, I, I could 
dream up of 25, 30 different scenarios for all different people. And I still find other people out there say, well, no, actually, my circumstances yeah. are different. Yes, it is. Um, well, I, I suppose I've touched on a couple of points, maybe, and I might have pricked a few things of interest in people's ears. Say, yeah. Oh, gosh, actually, you know, I've that I've that um, home alarm system. I wonder is that filtered? And next thing, yeah. you know, somebody might go out and, and discover it's not and put a filter or get a filter installed on that. And next thing, their internet speed jumps up by 10%. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that yeah. can that can happen. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know. Well, I think that I think those tips are really useful, Daniel. And um, there are things maybe that don't occur to people, but uh, definitely at this point in time as well, when people depend on the internet so much, it's definitely yeah. good to have those kind of tips to be able to get the, the most out of the connection. So thanks very much for coming on to the show for uh, to talk about that today, absolutely. Daniel. Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And like um, like the labs team that we have here, um, you know, between us all, if somebody was ringing in, you know, maybe just for a little bit of advice or some tips and things to check out for themselves, you know, if they wanted to describe to them, you know, describe their situation, you know, yeah. say, mm, okay, but maybe you could look at this or look at that and, you know, kind of troubleshoot from the top and see you can maybe yeah. help out some way and get a better, like, most of the times it'll go back to the internet service provider, but in that time it can be something in your house um, yeah. that's actually messing about with your internet. Yeah, very good. And uh, that's, that's a really good reminder as well, if there's anybody who has any issues with any of the things we've been talking about here, um, whether it's internet connections or anything else, and you want some support, just get in touch with labs at ncbi.ie. So appreciate that, Daniel. You're more than welcome. Thanks very much, Jude, for having me on. Good stuff. And uh, I'm sure that um, people might, you might want to even listen back to that on their YouTube channel, for for example, or if you get your uh, major, your, your uh, podcasts from any of the other major platforms, then uh, you can listen back to, to this once it's uploaded there as well. And uh, you might be able to follow through on some of those tips too. So that was a, a very practical section there, just getting the most out of the uh, internet connections that we have. Um, just to mention that our tech help section, which kind of ties in nicely with this idea, I suppose, um, the tech help section will be back next week. So please do send in any queries that you'd like us to cover on our show next week and uh, we'll put them to to the panel as well, particularly as well. If you if you want us to kind of discuss the pros and cons of particular uh, subjects or technologies, there are always kind of good ones if you want to if you want to hear what the, the kind of the both sides of a situation is. So send those suggestions into us and uh, we'll We'll look to cover them on a future live event. Just email labs at ncbi.ie and uh, reference the live event. So now it's time for this week's Seeing It Your Way piece. And uh, this week, JP has been talking to Robbie Ford about his experience of sight loss. So we'll hand over to JP to introduce this piece first. Thanks very much, Jude. Uh, that's right, Jude. So this week we're for Seeing It Your Way. We catch up with Robbie Ford, who is living in Swords in Dublin. And so Robbie often attends our weekly virtual technology club meetings in Dublin, which I'm involved in myself. And I find it's always great to tell the group about a new piece of technology that he's found out about, or a new app that he's downloaded on his iPhone. And so today we're going to hear from Robbie about how he uses technology in his day-to-day -day life, as per usual in our senior URA pieces. And this includes for Robbie in college and in work. But he's also going to tell us about two other great passions that he has, which are motivational speaking and stand-up comedy. 
So he has an interesting story to tell us, which offers, and he offers plenty of, kind of great advice along the way too. I think we're just about set to play the interview now with Robbie. So this week on Seeing It Your Way, I'm delighted to be joined by Robbie Ford, who is living and working in Dublin, and who is also involved in motivational speaking and stand-up comedy. So Robbie, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, JP. So Robbie, just to start off, I wonder, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your background, if you don't mind? Uh, myself, I'm a 38-year-old guy. I, I'm blind. I have very, very limited vision, so more or less blind. I lost my sight when I was younger, so I went from being fully sighted to having very diminished eyesight. And um, yeah, I just progressed from there. It must have been very difficult. I was, it was at first, but like with the support of family and friends, I got back up and got on with it because nothing's impossible. So I only realised that after this happened to me that nothing is impossible. And, and Robbie, as, as I mentioned a moment ago, you're living in, and working in Dublin. I, I wonder, I wonder, could you tell us a bit about the technology that you use both in your day-to-day -day life and also in work? Well, the technology, um, I suppose when I get up in the morning, I would, with the alarm on my, I use an iPhone. So, I mean, I just speak into the iPhone to set my alarm. So I'd use that, that'll get me up. Reluctantly, I want to get up some mornings, but that's how it goes. And yeah. um, then I would, after doing the usual, I would check on my phone then. I have an app called Dublin Bus, and I'll see when the next bus is coming. So then when I'm on the bus, I have an, another app, which is a, a GPS app. There's a few different ones. Um, I can't recall at the moment the one I use all the time. It's been <laughs> so long since it's been nine yeah. months since I've been out of the office. Yeah, you, you work from home, Robbie, I take it. I am indeed. But yeah. with the other app that I have on the bus, I it tells me where I actually am. So I wouldn't even have to rely on the bus driver to tell me when my uh, stop is there because the, the technology, the GPS on my phone will just feed into the earphone in my ear to tell me where I am. And, right. Oh, it's fantastic. Excellent. Um, so, I mean, it's certainly impressive, I think, how, how quickly people have, have adapted to working from home over, over the last year or so and how, how, how reliant we are on technology. What do you think about that as well? It's it's good in a way that you're at home. However, I do miss the interaction in the office with uh, my colleagues yeah. because it can be quite lonely at home and also it can be it's much easier to ask a question face-to-face -face or over a cup of tea in the office than it is through emails or just over the phone, you yeah, know? Absolutely. But it's but it, again, it's not impossible, like working from home. Yeah. It's fine, just we'll, we'll have to make do at the moment until this is all yeah. over, which it will be at some stage. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so, Robbie, I understand you are doing a college course at the moment. Could you tell us a little bit about the course you're doing? Yeah, that's right. I'm doing a, an online course with Minute University. It is Diversity and Inclusion, Equality Studies. It's very, very interesting. It um, kind of gives a lot about the insight into where stereotypes came from. Like being blind myself, you know, reading into it, kind of stereotypes such as 
a few hundred years ago that people, if someone was different, they'd avoid them, you mm-hmm. know? Because it's just, yeah. you know, lack of awareness, I suppose, back a few hundred years ago. But it goes yeah. deeper than that, so I won't bore you with it, but it is very interesting. Uh, and is this course online, Robbie, or is, is are there any uh, class, uh, meetings in classroom too? Oh, yes, it is. No, it's online, but my class would be once a week, sometimes once every two weeks, and I would use... MS Teams for that, Microsoft Teams. Teams. Yeah, yeah, okay. So technology but, coming in there again, you know? Okay, and and, and Robbie, are you a JAWS user or, or what do you use then, for your yes. access to these Yeah, meetings? I would, like in both at home, mm-hmm. both professionally and for my own leisure, I would use JAWS. So, I mean, I have a laptop here, two laptops here in front of me. One is for work and the other one is my own personal laptop and I have the JAWS on both. Yeah. And I have MS Teams on both as well for yeah. meetings or yeah. whatever it may be. Okay, great. Um, so, Robbie, I think one thing that's really clear here is that you, you must have a really hectic schedule. So, in addition to working full time, uh, you know, you're studying in college. Um, but as well as that, you, you're a motivational speaker, as I mentioned earlier, and a stand up comedian. So, firstly, uh, how, do you, how exactly do you find to do everything, <laughs> fit it all in? Uh, well, at the moment, that's all on hold at the minute. The likes of motivational talks uh-huh. and the uh, the comedy. Yeah. Um, I started only just dabbling in comedy a few couple of years ago, like you know, but more yeah. so the motivational speaking I've been doing outside of my regular job I've been doing yeah. for a number of years now. Okay. And you yeah. you enjoy that, Robbie? I love it. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just great. for the point and out JP to to people like I mean I would give them a a story or two about me, you know, and situations I've got me and myself into due to blindness and I would make humour of them as well, make light of them, you know, so I would have the people that are listening, you know, laughing, so it kind of relaxes them. But then I also point out that regardless of a disability, or regardless of, you know, everybody has things they can't do. Mm-hmm. So I would point it to them that, you know, a disability is something that you can't do or something you have difficulty doing. That's what a disability is. Mm-hmm. So everybody has a disability of some sort because everybody has something they can't do or have difficulty doing. But more importantly, you've an end that's only a short list. More importantly, you've an endless list list of things that you can do. So as opposed yes. to looking at disability, I try and encourage people to look at this yeah. ability that we all yeah. have. Yeah. I think it's, it's it's a really important message to, to get across, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. Um like, I, have to say, I did come across your, your website recently, Robbie. It's uh, www.optimisteyes.com for our listeners who yeah. want to check it out. And on the site, there's a lot of information about it. was your own uh, personal journey of living with sight loss. And I think one of the things that really comes um, kind of very evident on the, on the site is, is your very much positive and can-do attitude towards life, Robbie. Uh, also on the site are several uh, testimonials uh, from people who have heard you give motivational talks. And if it's okay with yourself, I'd like to relate some of these uh, testimonials. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so just a couple here. So one person wrote, uh, Robbie Ford comes across as a practical, humble, down-to-earth, friendly guy with a lot of love and respect for his friends and family. He brings with him a hope that even when faced with the worst of barriers in life, it is not only possible to get through them all with sanity intact, but also to keep smiling and joking along the way. That's one. And another one, Another person wrote, the day Robbie came, I was in a bad headspace and was feeling frustrated with my life. But the minute he started telling his story, I forgot how 
about how I was feeling and it made me realise that if he could overcome his problems and succeed, then so could I. He really inspired me and I thank him for that. Since then, I was able to go to college myself and make something of my life. So there are just two like really, really impressive testimonials I'll be taking from your site. And it must be a great feeling to know that you're making such a positive impact on other people's lives. I, when I started doing this, um, I didn't realise it would have such a positive impact like that on people's lives. And I'm absolutely thrilled that it does because I'm just a regular bloke, just like yeah. regular man, just like any other 38 year old, really. Just the difference is I'm, I'm blind, yeah. you know. Yeah. So hearing stuff like that and getting feedback like that from people and, yeah. you know, it's very rewarding to hear that. Of it's also very encouraging to um, encourage me to persist and keep going and keep doing the motivational talks. Yeah, of course, of course. And Robbie, I, I know the motivational talks that you, you give can be to various groups of people. So, for example, students or people in employment. I wonder if you could tell us how different, if it's the case, you find the talks uh, you give in schools, for example, to the ones you might give to people in employment, not maybe in terms of the content, but perhaps in terms of the reaction and the questions that you get. The younger people, they'd be teenagers, yeah. are more, I have to say, ask more questions, because I think the older people are set in their ways and they're more rigid and they're afraid mm. to ask questions. Yes. So I would encourage both groups to ask me questions. With the with the teenagers in schools, I mean the reason I go into schools is because and to teenagers because they're at a vulnerable age where they don't know what direction they're going in life. You know they're confused and they're looking at their peers and looking at their you know friends and other people in their class and they're wondering why you know Johnny can play football and Johnny's yeah. good at athletics and and they're not, but they're yes. they're missing out on them. Um, Mm-hmm. what they can do. They're looking at what others can do, but they're forgetting what they can do themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So different yeah. questions, like, I mean, ask some funny questions, you know, if you ask, like, um, if I, you know, do you know what colours look, look like? Yeah. So, because uh-huh. I was sighted, like, I was talking to, yeah. one time I remember the school, and I was saying to the guy, I says, well, what do, what colour do totally blind people see, people that are born blind. And naturally enough, a few of them said, oh, black, of course. And I said, well, how can they see black if they don't know what black looks like? Is that really going to, you know, Uh, blew them them away? Like to think, oh, geez, yeah, I forgot about that, like, you know. Interesting. I realise that. Yeah. And Robbie, as, as I mentioned earlier, I understand you do stand-up comedy. Um, so how did you start getting involved in that? And, and whereabouts have you performed? I was kind of, I don't know, bullied is the right, <laughs> right word into it, <laughs> but it was out in Swords, a pub called The Lord Mayor's, and a guy kept asking me for a number of months, would I do it? So just to shut him up, basically, I said I would. And I was terrified. So I I did that and I joke about and make life of blindness, like the way I do in the in the talks that I give, but more so on a stage, you know, be more kind of adult humour on it, you know, in the comedy. Yeah. But um, I make light of blindness and I think that is very important as well because it, there's such a lack of awareness in society about disabilities. 
and people make assumptions that someone that's blind, for instance, wouldn't be able to work. They wouldn't have a, a regular life, wouldn't go for a pint, wouldn't, you know, have a, a regular life just by, just the same as someone that's sighted. So in doing the comedy, I make light of that. And it actually opens people's eyes as well. Yeah. So I would bring a guide dog with me. Now, yeah. this is the this is the thing. I don't have a guide dog. So just to be like, us Irish are very good at self-deprecation, you know? Sure. So, so what I do is I just bring a lead with me. And there's no dog at the end of it. But Robbie doesn't realise that because the poor fella's blind. Like, he doesn't realise there's no dog there. So I just make yeah. humour out of it. And it goes yeah. down very well. Yeah. You know? Very good. So Robbie, technology is, is obviously evolving so quickly. How do you keep up to date with the latest technology? It's, I wouldn't necessarily be a very techy person. So if I do come across new technology, which as you said there, you know, moving all the time, evolving and new things are coming out all the time, I would give the likes of yourselves a shout in the National Council of the Blind in the labs. The labs at ncbi.ie is a very, very helpful email to have and I shoot it off to you guys and you can steer me in the right way, which is have done with certain technology. It's very, uh, it's great support. So thanks again for that. Great, Robbie. That's good. I'm glad you find it helpful. So, so Robbie, it's clear that technology has played uh, and certainly continues to play a significant role in your life in, in a lot of ways. And can I ask, like, what, what advice would you give to someone who has sight loss and is just starting out using technology? Number one is don't be afraid. Because uh, technology, when I started in the Council for the Blind, I remember I was 17 years of age, I remember, and I was being introduced the technology and I found because I was sighted before and I was able to see the screen on a computer well you know going from being able to see it to having to listen to the likes of the JAWS screen reader technology yeah. reading back to me what's on the screen I thought to myself oh, this is you know this is how am I going to do this yeah. but it's just persistence and as I went on um more and more technology started developing that my friends were using, even though they're not blind, but it was blind friendly, like the GPS on a bus, like I mentioned earlier and stuff like that. So just don't be afraid, try it. I mean, with these smartphones and all out now, you know, you'd have people thinking, oh, you know, I wouldn't be able to use that. You know, it's too, technology's way too advanced for me. You can just get a basic smartphone and it's not that hard at all. So don't be afraid. Yeah. Try it. Don't don't steer away from it until you try it. Yeah. Don't knock it till you try it, as they say. Okay. Well, that's that's great advice. And I mean, thanks so much for joining us today on the show. It's been great talking to you. Now, lovely talking to you, JP. And thanks a million. And any time. And if anybody wants to give me a shout on optimisteyes.com, that's O P T I M I S T E Y E S dot com. Please do, because I'm right here. And any questions, I'm more than happy to answer. Fantastic. Thanks, Take care. Very good. So thank you very much for uh, for that, JP, and uh, our thanks to Robbie Ford as well. Great to to see that kind of mindset that that Robbie has there as well. A really good way to to approach things. So really enjoyed that that interview. Very good. So we're nearly finished, but uh, just before we finish, we've just had uh, one one question come in through. Um, Daniel, I think it's come yep. to, to Daniel earlier. Very good. Go, can you hear me there? You can. Um, yeah. yeah, just a quick question come in uh, through the labs at ncbi.ie email. 
and somebody's uh, technology contract is about to end and I'll need to sign up to another good value package. Um, so maybe, you know, the different packages and offer from the various providers. Now, I'm not going to drill down through um, the different providers and all that out there, but what I will say is um, just look out at the offers that are there. Some There's some incredible introductory offers and where you might yeah. get the first three, four, even six months at a real knockdown price. But then boom, it goes back up to a fairly significant price after that. So just um, maybe read, don't don't just see the, the headline price, read the thereafter price as well. Um, factor that into your considerations when choosing a new provider, if you so choose to move on. Um, hopefully, uh, we did get through a good bit of, you know, the different providers and styles of providers that are out there that can help you maybe look at it in a little bit more depth there are some websites out there price comparison websites um you know that'll weigh up all the different providers and the different options that are out there it might be worth just investigating one or two of those websites as well um again if look if you have any further questions do get back in touch with the labs team um you know we can maybe uh, strike up a conversation you know trying to filter down to maybe where you live and see what's available in your areas or something better. Um, you know, we can definitely try and advise and help and support in that regard there. Okay. Brilliant, very good. So again, it kind of comes down to that location, location, location thing again. So yeah, by all means, if if anybody wants to get in touch and get a bit more uh, specific advice, uh, that's great as well. So just before we finish, just a reminder that if you'd like to be in with a chance to, to win a blind shell classic mobile phone or a fourth generation Amazon Echo Dot, you can still enter by filling in our live event survey, which you'll find in our weekly technology newsletter. The closing date is January 22nd, so that's Friday week, and then the winners will be show uh, will be announced in the next show after that, so that's two weeks from today. And of course, the bonus is that your your feedback that you give us through that survey is going to help us make the show better as well. So. Uh, please do fill in those surveys if you haven't already and you'll be in with a chance to win our competition. In the meantime, if you need support from the labs team for anything, you can call us from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday on 1850 92 30 60, or you can email labs at ncbi.ie. Or if you want to avail of wider NCBI services, you can call 1850 33 at ncbi.ie. And if you'd like to make a donation to support our services, you can also visit donate.ncbi.ie. And maybe you might even want to sponsor one of our live events. Well, you can do that as well by contacting us on our regular email of labs at ncbi.ie, and that can just help to keep our live events going. So just finally, just a reminder of what we're going to be talking about in some future live events. Next, uh, next week, so our next show is going to be next week. We're back to the weekly shows uh, at the moment while we're in this lockdown. So our next show is uh, January 19th. That's next week at 2.30 p.m. And uh, we're going to be looking at online shopping and online security as well. What, what are the things maybe to be a little bit aware of? What can you do to keep yourself safe online? Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit next week. We're also going to be looking at smart wearables in one of our upcoming shows. So we're talking about kind of hands-free tech, not necessarily specifically designed 
for sight loss, but devices that can be useful all the same. So we're going to look at that in one of our future shows. And hopefully in a few weeks time, we're also going to have an update on Soundscape. You might remember that from live event 11. We spoke about Soundscape. That was a really promising navigation app. Uh, and uh, we're, we're just going to revisit that in a few weeks time to get a little bit of an update on where we're at in Ireland with uh, the Soundscape app. So look forward to having that as well. If you want to stay up to date with what's happening on our live events, as well as plenty more, of course, you can sub subscribe to our newsletter on our website or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie if you'd like to subscribe as well. Loads of uh, quick tips, plenty of information on technology that's available. Really good, useful um, resource there. So sign up if you haven't already and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy that as well. But for today, that's pretty much it. So all that's left for me to do is to thank our, our panel today and uh, good to chat to Colin earlier and uh, Ro Robbie Ford, we appreciate the interview there, but also our regulars of JP and, and Daniel, and of course to everyone listening in as well. And we look forward to having you all back with us next week for another NCBI Labs live event. <laughs>